Welcome, meeting makers. I'm your host, Lauren Green, meeting coach and facilitation trainer, here to help you unsuck your meetings one episode at a time. I've helped hundreds of professionals and organizations through leading inclusive, engaging, and productive meetings. And now I'm offering this podcast to help you do the same. Think of this podcast as an ongoing workshop, where each time you tune in, you'll get a bite-sized nugget of knowledge you can apply right away. If you lead meetings or might someday, you're in the right place. Let's make your meetings work. Conflict. Did you just get the chills, meeting makers? Don't worry. Gonna be fine. Conflict in meetings is normal. We covered a whole episode on managing through conflict and ambiguity back in season one, episode nine, in case you want to go check it out. But workplace conflict, as in conflict between coworkers, can sometimes reach a level that needs some expert support. I'll be the first to admit, I struggle with conflict. I've always been very independently minded. Maybe that's why I have my own podcast. And while that's a strength, when it comes to running my own practice, it can get in the way when it comes to collaborating with others. Believe it or not, a lot of facilitators prefer to work alone. We like to be in control of the process. When you have a large group or multiple facilitators or even, God forbid, a facilitation team or a planning committee, there can be a lot of debate sparked when everyone has a different idea of how things should go. So how do you resolve conflicting agendas like this? What do you do when someone is increasingly becoming a challenge for you? How are you going to manage getting your work done and serving your clients or serving your customers when all you can think about is how annoyed you are by that person that you work with? One of the things that Marshall Rosenberg talks about in his work on nonviolent communication is that it's never actually the actual person that's bothering you. Stay with me on this. It's the version of that person in your head that is bothering you. Did that just blow your mind too? It's a concept to wrap your head around. In other words, you are the source of your conflict, or at least the way you are thinking about it is. And I'm the first to admit, I'm not great at this, but I loved this idea. It's not the actual person. It's the version of that person that's in your head. That's the one that's bothering you. So that means that the first step in mediating conflict is to own that story that you're telling yourself. It could be, it's that person's fault, or I'm the victim here, or I must swoop in and rescue. And for those of you who know the drama triangle model, that's what I just talked about. The victim story, the villain story, the rescuer story. Those are all common stories that we tell ourselves all the time. So here to give us some insight into how you might mediate conflict or do the same for your direct reports is my close friend and colleague, Gina Weatherup, a certified mediator, professional facilitator, and founder of the Chantilly Mediation and Facilitation Practice. Welcome, Gina. Hi, Lauren. Thank you so much for having me on as a guest. I am excited to give three tips for managers dealing with conflict. First, though, I do want to start with two things that a lot of people don't know about conflict at work. The first is it's really common and it costs money. So generally speaking, across America, people spend 2.8 hours every week just dealing with conflict. 
So that adds up to paying people billions of dollars every year just for the time spent dealing with conflict. Now, that is a pre-pandemic number, so it may have actually increased given the stress levels in the past three years since the COVID pandemic started. The second thing people don't generally know about conflict at work is it's kind of the flip side. Conflict can actually be a great source of innovation. If you think about it, we need to explore tensions, differences in order to create new things, right? Conflict is just about disagreement which is just about having different opinions, different experiences, different information or priorities, different approaches to handling situations. So when you have a conflict, it's not always a bad thing. But we sometimes react in a stressed out way because we weren't expecting it or because we don't understand what's going on. So I want to get to my three top tips for managers dealing with conflict. And this question of do we understand is kind of central really to all three. The first tip is be curious. This is really the key to changing conflict from a dreaded, stressful awfulness into a potential source of innovation and camaraderie. Being curious is what it sounds like. You're asking questions that open up conversations. They are open-ended questions. They're not questions that are designed to get to the bottom of something and figure out who to blame or what went wrong. My favorite question is, grammatically speaking, not a question. It is the phrase, tell me more. It might be, tell me more about what's going on. Tell me more about what makes you feel that way. Tell me more about how this happened. Tell me more about where you're coming from. And in fact, I've even used this phrase in response to a question I was asked. I recall being in a situation where I was very much put on the spot. And my response was, wow, okay, thanks for asking that question. I really want to make sure that I'm answering what you're getting at. So would you mind please telling me more about where you're coming from? So I had a, quite a few qualifiers in the way that I said that little piece there. That's very much in some ways a stylistic thing. But I do want to say sometimes when you're asking people questions, when you're expressing curiosity, it helps that curiosity land, right? It helps people to understand that you're just being curious and not asking questions with an agenda if you do use a qualifier or two. I will add, when I see conflicts escalate, it's either because it's being ignored or one person thinks they know what the root issue is and they're getting it wrong. So when you adopt that curious mindset, it's really crucial. It's just like if you're trying to solve someone's problem, it's important for you to first understand what that issue is. So the second tip for managers dealing with conflict is to engage those active listening muscles. When you're actively listening, your goal is to truly understand where this person is coming from. You're not judging what you're hearing. You're just working to understand them. Now, this is important whether you are in this conflict or you're trying to mediate amongst other people. You want people to understand that you understand, you get where they're coming from. It helps them not to feel judged. It helps them feel validated and understood. And that can put them in a mindset where they're open to collaborating or can brainstorm new solutions. I can't overstate the importance of active listening. One of the really cool things that I love about active listening is that it actually engages your empathy muscles without requiring you to emotionally feel what someone else is going through. So it's a very cool thing. The third tip for managers dealing with conflict. So I've talked about being curious. I've talked about active listening. 
And the third thing, kind of in line with understanding more information, don't be afraid to ask for help. Sometimes your best skills will just not end a conflict. It's not going away. So it's important to figure out what can I offer to my team that's in this conflict or even what are my options if I'm the person in the conflict, right? One option is always to just not do anything. But there might be a lot of options. Maybe there's somebody in HR. Maybe your own supervisor could be really helpful. Maybe there's a policy on how to deal with different grievances. Maybe you just want to go to like a trusted advisor who's sort of outside of this team, maybe even outside of your organization to run stuff by them. But it's really important to kind of get curious about the options that exist where you work. You're trying to understand potential options that can be presented to the people in conflict. Often in a conflict, we kind of dig in because we feel like it's the only way to have some control in a situation. So if you can find different options for how to handle the conflict that might exist in your workplace and you give the people on your team those options, you're actually giving them an opportunity to feel in control again because you're giving them information to let them make their own best decision about how to proceed. So. Those are my top tips. Get curious, actively listen, and don't be afraid to ask for help. Thank you so much for having me on, Lauren. I can't wait to hear your tips for feedback. If you'd like to contact or work with Gina, you can find her at www.chantillymediationandfacilitation.com and follow her on her social media networks, all linked in the description. And if you're still looking for more learning around conflict, check out our blog, Understanding Conflict, linked in the description. Hey, meeting makers. We know you may be driving, cooking, or working out and don't have time to take notes. We've got you covered. Our team at Dancing with Markers creates one-page visual summary notes of each podcast episode that you can download and review to quickly remember the key takeaways. Just head to the description and visit the link to have the notes sent right to your inbox. Don't have time to listen to a whole season? No worries. After each season, you'll be able to purchase our playbook with top tips and tools from each season. Find our playbooks on our website at makemeetings.org forward slash playbook. Now that we've talked about mediating conflict, let's talk about how to avoid the point where mediation is necessary. And that means making friends with the F word, feedback. Most managers dread giving feedback, and they reserve it just for that once-a-year annual performance review. But let's talk about why that's a bad idea. When feedback is not given in the moment, we lose the memory anchor of the context or events that led to the need for that feedback. So by the time we get to the performance review, we've often forgotten about the actual behavior that's the issue, and now we're just giving general feedback that is neither actionable or interpretable. I've gotten feedback from past managers in a past life that I needed to work on being more flexible. The problem with feedback like that is that it's not behavior-oriented. I'd ask them, what was the moment when you noticed a lack of flexibility? And if it happened a long time ago, they can't remember. And then I'm stuck. I feel frustrated. I'm hurt. I think I need to change my personality. And I can't do anything to really correct it. So now what do we do? I'm up a creek. What does flexibility mean? If we just gave more feedback in the moment and oriented around behaviors, I'm going to talk about how to do that. 
we would enable the person to take immediate action to correct that behavior as opposed to getting frustrated down the road. But it's so hard to do. So why don't we give feedback in the moment? For some, it's a fear of conflict. We talked about that a lot this episode already. But for others, it's feeling like there's just not time. But if you let the issue continue, it allows the behavior to become a pattern and the pattern to become ingrained. And now you've got bigger problems. Now you need Gina to come help you mediate. We all need feedback. And feedback is two-way. If you're a direct report, you need to give feedback to your manager. If you're a manager, you need to ask for feedback in order for your feedback to be better received. When feedback is two-way and both people give each other feedback, it removes some of that negative power dynamic that occurs when someone has feedback for you but doesn't ask for anything in return. So what I'm saying is if you're a manager and you've only ever given feedback but you don't ask for it in return and you're wondering why it's not happening, it could be because you're not opening that door to also be vulnerable and get feedback in return. And when you do that, when it's two-way, you build trust. And now that feedback is going to be a relationship builder instead of a relationship detractor. I know you want a quick solution. So let's talk about my favorite easy way to give feedback in the moment. S-B-I. Situation, behavior, and impact. I didn't make this up. As most models in my podcast, I got it from someone else and I'll tell you where. This model comes from the Center for Creative Leadership, also known as CCL, and we will put their website in the description. To use this model to deliver feedback, you start with articulating the situation with just the facts. Cameron, I'm going to use Cameron this time. Cameron, I know that we are facing a pressing deadline right now. There's no judgment in that situation. It just is. I'm just saying we're facing a pressing deadline. That is a fact. So start with a fact. Then address the behavior with as little of your interpretation as possible and in a very calm tone. I notice that you are checking on my progress with the report every morning. Somebody's checking progress every morning. There's no judgment in that. It's just a fact and you're stating an observation. And then finally, articulate the impact on yourself or on others that you have perceived. We talked a lot in the last episode about stating things as perceptions because you can't tell how anyone's feeling, only they can. Everything else is just your perception. So the impact is where the feedback happens. When you check in each morning, it means I have to take time away from working on the report. And if you get really good, follow it with a solution-driven question. What would be a good way of keeping you up to date while allowing me to continue making progress? So I'll repeat that because I know I ad-libbed in the middle there, but Cameron, I know we are facing a pressing deadline right now. I noticed you were checking on my progress with the report every morning. When you check on my progress each morning, it means I have to take time away from working on the report. What would be a good way of keeping you up to date while allowing me to continue making progress? Situation, the behavior, and then what's the impact? Follow it with a question. It's not that hard, but we just don't do it. If you're a person like me that gets very nervous about having to say something like this, write it down. You can refer to your notes, but more than likely, if you write it down, it kind of cements it in your brain and you don't really have to think about it or refer to your notes in the morning. And this is going to put the other person at ease because they're not even going to know it's feedback. 
is just stating what's happening and asking for a solution. It's being a partner. For more about feedback and strategies for giving feedback in the moment, we have a blog for you. It's called Mastering the Art of Giving and Receiving Feedback. And that's once again linked in the description. This was a juicy episode, and I know you got some really great nuggets, meeting makers. So be sure to start using your situation, behavior impact, start giving that feedback in the moment. If you need help from Gina to mediate a conflict at work, you can find our information in the description. Let's go make those meetings work. This podcast was written by Lauren Green and produced by Caitlin Murray. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a few seconds to rate and review so future meeting makers can find our community. Download a visual summary of this episode in the description and be sure to join the conversation in our Meeting Makers Facebook group. Want help with your next meeting? Reach out at makemeetings.work forward slash contact and we'll set up time to chat. 